So we come to Joshua 23, um, Andy shared on this last week, and I'm going to do the same thing again. And uh, Joshua 23 is, is the last words of any person are significant. And so here we are in Joshua 23, and uh, Joshua basically in Joshua 23 calls the leaders and the kind of sort of core group to himself, and in Joshua 24 almost speaks to all the people of God. So here in Joshua 23, he's saying his last words, and... Um, these are the last words of the mighty, faithful warrior leader. That's what we've seen of Joshua. He's mighty in God. So he has faith. He trusts that God gives him might. He's faithful. So not only does he have faith, but he continues to walk in the ways the Lord has mandated and commanded to him. Some of us have a ton of faith, but we're not always faithful. We're kind of the glory moment people. Wow, we have to pray for the healing of the sick and bam, bam, it happens. Next day we're stuck in sin looking at porn online or something like that. But he's both faith-filled, full of faith, God, you can do things through me, and faithful, keeps on keeping on, as Andy was mentioning to us. Faithful and a warrior leader. He, 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 he engaged in the battle. He was aware that once we step into the promised land, which we said of ourselves is similar to the book of Ephesians, once we become Christians, it's not heaven. It's the promised land, but there's still a lot of fighting to be done. And he is faithful and fights. And he almost says, come close. It reminds me of uh, Shrek, the third, uh, the third Shrek, where the, um, um, the, 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 the frog king is about to die. And, and everyone's there, the little uh, puss in boots and uh, Shrek himself. And obviously Shrek's uh, princess wife. And he's there and he's like... <coughs> <coughs> and everyone's like, the, the puss in boots takes his hat off. And he goes, <coughs> and a fly comes out of his mouth and goes, <coughs> and just grabs it back in. Everyone thought those were his last words. But he, uh, he, he came back to life once he got the fly out of his throat that he was hoping to consume as his last supper. And he grabbed it out of the sky. And then he said the last things, you take my throne. And then we go into a great rendition where the frogs are singing um, the uh, lovely uh, Guns N' Roses song. I oh, just love it. <laughs> Shrek, it's great. It's one of those moments. Come close. Come close. If anything I've said is of any importance, this is it. Come close. Come really close. And you know what he does? As we saw last week in Joshua 23, he details the goodness of God. You yourselves, verse 3, have seen everything the Lord your God has done. He says again, verse 5, the Lord your God himself will drive bad people, the people that are stopping you, taking the land, out of your way. He says again, the Lord has driven out before you. And he says this, that in fact, it's such a dynamic that because you're um, part of the people of God, it's almost as if in verse 10, one of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you. It's kind of cool because it means when I pull out my sword of faith, if there's a thousand of those nasty beasts trying to get Simon Lee Jones down in his faith, basically if I'm in the Lord and I'm journeying with him, I'm going to take him down. So he says the Lord's been with you. He details the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And can I tell you this morning, that is so true. God is so good. God is astoundingly good. All good things that we even see imaged, whether it be in film, whether it be in reality, whether it be in our families, only come from the source of goodness himself, which is God. And he's also faithful. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. He says, as we go through the end of Romans chapter 8, the stunning chapter on life in the spirit, he says, no, whether dark or death, life, 
demons, angels, whatever. Nothing can separate you from His love because He is so faithful. He is so good. He gives us good things. All good things come from Him. But He's so faithful. And so what He says is true of us today. As we've entered into this journey, and as you're thinking maybe this morning about entering into the journey of what it is to be a Christian, can I promise you this? God will be faithful. God will be good. God will be faithful. God will be, we often unfaithful. He always faithful. Me unfaithful, him always faithful. Oh, it's one of those. He's always going to be faithful. I don't even know where I got that from, but it reminds me of something. But, and I've told you about my fascination of preaching a sermon on the fact that God loves big butts. And she has one of those big butts. Big butt. Verse 11. Be very careful. To love the Lord your God. It takes us immediately back to Joshua 1. Be careful to obey. Be very careful. Be to obey everything in this book of the It takes us back to Joshua 22, verse 5, where we see the same thing again. God is good, God is great, God is so faithful, so good. He has such plans for you. But verse 5. Be very careful of chapter 22 to keep the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him. We see this again in Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 and Deuteronomy 6 verses 5 through 12. The exact same thing. God is good. God is great. God is faithful. God has unbelievable plans for you. Unbelievable things that you can step into and enjoy. The life of faith. There's a life full of joy and happiness and contentment and being changed and transformed and God working for you. But chapter 6 verse 5 through 12 of Deuteronomy. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Do you know what? I can guarantee 40% of us in this room don't know the Ten Commandments. I just know that from studies and facts of how people struggle with knowing all the Ten Commandments. Our kids know them in their own language. Important. Impress these things on your kids. Impress these things on your kids. Talk about them when you sit at home. Were you doing that? Talking about the commandments of God, the truth of God, the love of God, the grace of God over your meal. And it goes on. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Write them on the door frames of your houses. I've actually done that. I had my... my <laughs> Kiri sometimes says, Simon, you in the Bible, you're just a bit of an over-freak with kind of things like that. And, 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 and I probably have to admit it, that even in my early 20s, I was writing verses and sticking them on the door of my bedroom. And you just couldn't see the door. Faithful verses that I know God. Isaiah 40. Um, Romans 8, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, 1 John 1, verse, just on and on and on and on and on, because putting them on the doorpost, putting them on the doorpost, and so we have this again, again and again, but why, why is this, if God's going to be so good, God's going to be so faithful, surely we just sit back like we are today and enjoy the faithfulness and the goodness of God, no, because it's covenant, this is a covenant relationship. And you can say to me, oh, not now. I'm going to say to you, yes, now. We are in a covenant relationship with God. What covenant is, is the same as marriage. In fact, the word used here in verse 11, cleave to. The word be faithful, be very careful, is cleave to. Heard that word somewhere? Yes, cleave to one another. Amen. You see, a covenant relationship, I'll explain it a bit. It's not unconditional. It doesn't mean that once God saved me, well, bam, I've got the ticket, heaven's mine. Now I live like a hell-bound sinner. No, it doesn't. 
It means now that I'm in relationship with Him, His Spirit empowers me. His promises are real to me. His faithfulness will come to me. He's provided a community of believers to be around me. But I must be faithful and obedient in love. If there's this horrible, imposing word with covenant, if, same as in a marriage, Kiri, will you love me all the days of your life? Yes, she takes my ring. I act like an adulterous madman. She needs to walk away from that relationship for a season because I am breaking down my side of the covenants. It's a big if, and I'm failing on the if. Yes, I will love you, Simon, if your promise is also true. I'll be faithful to you, forsaking all others, till death feels part, till Jesus comes again. This is the same thing. So Jesus will never leave our side. Let me make this clear. If you are born again, if you are born again, you're born again. So yes, you have got the ticket to heaven. If you're born again in the spirit, God's done that work. Okay. But with that being changed, there should be the desire to fulfill the if. Obedience and love. And I'm going to detail that now. This is what Joshua is saying to these people. God is going to be so good, so faithful. His promises will never fail. We look back in Joshua 19 when Joshua, Joshua said, not one of his promises have failed. Every little bit he's fulfilled. It's the covenant of grace. The marvelous thing is that I bring nothing to being right with God. It's not about anything I do. In fact, I heard one of the most wonderful quotes from Terry as he was preaching through Ephesians 6. Please, please, please go to the New Frontiers website and get Terry's set of sermons through Ephesians 6. Wonderful. And he said this, Martin Luther says, The only thing I bring to salvation is the sin which God needs to forgive. <laughs> Nothing we do makes us right with God. Nothing we do. And so if you're trying to live a life of moralism, the story, this morning my friend's saying, well, if I keep weighing up the scales, Andy always says this so well. Good thing, good thing, good thing. Good. Oh, bad thing. All right, a couple more good things. Bad thing, couple more good things, couple more. Look, God, my my. If you if you don't let me um complain, my good things right now, as I speak before you, are balancing my bad things. Can I come in? Oh no, you can't, because you bring nothing. Your good things are like filthy rags to me, because they're not done in faith. They're not done to glorify God. They're done to glorify yourself. So unless we understand that we bring nothing to God, I want to reaffirm that this morning. We bring nothing to being right with God. Nothing I did or said or was made me acceptable to God. Jesus does that. The death of Christ on the cross, He lives out the obedience I could never have lived out. He receives the wrath I deserve for my sin and I receive the righteousness that He has for being a perfect God-man, Son of God. What a wonderful story. But once that covenant relationship begins, it's not a static situation. I must hold fast to God. And this is so unbelievably relevant and important today. I hope it's quiet because you're thinking. Because <laughs> everyone's falling asleep. Can I read to you probably what I think are the saddest words in all of Scripture? Go to the book of Judges, chapter 2. I think could be some of, there are sadder words, I'm sure, but some of the saddest words in all of Scripture. Can I say this to mothers and fathers this morning? If we are not impressing upon our kids the glory, the beauty, the wonder, and the love, and the purposes of God, this could happen. Chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. It's not bad. 
and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. One generation. I'm booming a lot, guys. I may have a bit more, ba more bass than I need. <laughs> we are one generation away. They say the UK is one generation away from being the same scenario that David Livingston and guys like um, the man who went to China, Hudson Taylor, stepped into when they first arrived. We are one generation away from being thoroughly and absolutely secular without a trace of God. It's astonishing. And so this warning that Joshua gave, it works out that something went wrong. And this is what it is about covenants. And you could say again, but that's the Old Testament. It's not like that. And in one sense, yes, like I said, once we receive the promised salvation and justification, being right before God, from God, we're in. We're not going to be cast out or no longer accepted because of... We're in. But there's so much more to Christian life than that. It reminds me of Jesus Christ's word in Matthew 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. You look at Ephesians 5, verses 5 through 18. Ephesians, such a wonderful book written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus during his travels. And he writes so many amazing things of how God has redeemed us and made us new and given us so many promises in life in the first four and a half chapters. But in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 18, to believers, to people that are following Jesus, he says this, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Hebrews chapter 12, again, written to Jewish believers. This is not written to non-Christians. If you're not a Christian this morning, I'm not telling you to act better and be more like God. Don't worry. I'll tell you what needs to happen to you. You need to come into a relationship with Jesus, repent of your sin, realize you're far from Him, and realize that He loves you abundantly more than you can imagine. And come into relationship with him. But I'm speaking to us believers. Those who are in this room who follow Jesus. And that's what these books are written to. Followers of Jesus. Hebrews 12. Okay, let's look at these. Verses 14 through 16. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Because without holiness no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace. Misses the grace of God. Imagine missing the grace of God. And so that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless. On one hand, there is the truth of the promises, too glorious to comprehend. One thing that Terry Virgo did was expose what he believes the helmet of salvation means. And he took Simon from such a minuscule understanding to an understanding that it just, it just rocked me. Tears. Just absolute tears, realizing what the helmet of salvation means. We see it as the helmet of, I once was saved, yay, Jesus loves me. He says, no. Saved, yes. Being saved every day from temptation and the pressures and the terrors of life. But one day to be saved when the sun will rise and all the darkness will be sent to flee. And there will be true salvation for the people of God and for all of creation. So, yes, on one hand, there is a truth of the promises too glorious to comprehend. But yet we have scriptures like James 4, verses 7 through 8. Let me go to James 4 for you. James chapter 4, written to 
believers, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the... Oh, man, the wrong verse again. Be patient and stand firm. Stand firm. Don't grumble. It's all these words. And, and, and then again, in, in Joshua 4... Uh, sorry, um, in... in oh, sorry, I was reading uh, James chapter 5. James 4. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. That's ongoing. Ongoing. Resist the devil. Not resist the devil. Oh, now I'm a Christian. Sweet. He's got nothing to do with me. He will come up and he will have an absolute go at you unless you resist him and he will flee from you. Come near to God. Not the Islamic kind of, you know, if you love God, he will love you. No, once you're in relationship with him, stay near to God. Don't walk away. Resist the devil and his temptations. Oh, do this. Have a relationship with this unbeliever. Hold this bitter grudge against someone. Hold back your money. Make sure you look after your money for yourself. All these temptations to keep us from being close to God. That's, these things are written to us. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. All these unbelievable, on one hand, the promises of God's loving covenant with us. He will never forsake his promises. He will fulfill every single one. If. We continue to journey with him and be faithful to him. You see, I want to I say this. Something that I just thought of. Just listen to these words. The reality of mundane, lifeless, striving, guilt-ridden, legalistic obedience is as possible as abundant life, spirit-empowered, joyful intimacy with Jesus. Can I say that again? It is the reality of, and maybe some of us are living this this morning, mundane, lifeless, apathy, striving, I will be better for you, Jesus. I will do my very best. Guilt-ridden, there's just so much sin in my life and I don't know how to deal with it. Legalistic, what if I go to the prayer meeting, that'll help out. And if I go to the prayer meeting before the service, that'll give me an extra little bit of a dose before God. Obedience is as possible as abundant, spirit-empowered, joyful intimacy with Jesus. Do you know what I want for all of you this morning? Abundant, spirit-empowered intimacy with Jesus. Oh, what a way to live the Christian life. You know what my fear for some of you this morning is? You've got the other portion. Because you're not fulfilling your role in the covenant of pursuing and loving Jesus, pursuing obedience, pursuing closeness to him, honoring him, saying no to sin, saying no to the sin which so easily entangles. Because, and I'm going to close here, the promise is this, at the back of 1 Peter 5, where it says the same thing as James 5, look, be careful, watch yourself. You know, humble yourselves, cast your anxiety, be self-controlled and alert. It says through 8 and 9, but verse 10, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God will give you joy unimaginable in him. God will give you joy in the circumstances that totally buffet you. Cancer. Things that just seem to... Um, you, why, why has this happened? God can continue to give you joy if you remain close to Him. If you pursue intimacy. If you abide in the vine. is the picture Jesus uses in John chapter 15. You see, all of Romans 6. Obedience and living according to God's heart. 
is in response to someone saying to Romans 5, well, if grace increases while we sin, let's just sin like crazy. He said, no, because you love God, because you die to self, because you love Him, you live a new, abundant, joy-filled life. Galatians 5 verse 25 says to us, keep in step with the Spirit. And what I want to say this morning that is so important is that the Holy Spirit is in our lives to empower us to live the life of Christ in our generation. He is so important. Yes, He gives gifts, and we go on and on probably as a charismatic people about His gifts. And they're wonderful and they're important. But He also gives fruit. He enables us to live joyfully, peacefully, morally, holy lives full of peace and joy and self-control. He is enabled. So we must remember that as we pray to be filled with the Spirit, sometimes it's so that we can live in obedience to God. We can live pure, holy lives. Oh, Simon, you're going on about stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus says, just love me. He does, actually. Amen. And let me quote what he says. Um, John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. He goes on to say, and his commands are not burdensome. Why? Let me tell you a little story about something I saw yesterday that someone commented on that makes me so delighted. We were at a wedding yesterday, and my little boy was wearing a stunning suit because he's a page boy. But he decided that no matter how much a suit cost and how much it might cost someone if we took it back ripped to shreds, it was really fun to kind of curl up in a little ball and slide down this large grass embankment and just literally rip up the back of the trousers and get grass stains all up the lovely white ivory waistcoat. That's a cool deal. Because in fact, if you can do it holding your mutty cup, as he calls it, it's like a no look, they have no hands, wrecking the suit. <laughs> And from a distance, I see this happening. Someone else recognizes it. Now Malachi and I have a little whistle. Can I ask you to turn the sound off quickly? All I have to do is this. Okay. Instantly he turns. Daddy's calling. That's daddy. And it happened yesterday and someone commented on it. I don't want to boast in the fact that we've got something going on because we'll probably change in the next three months. But as I did that, probably 70 yards, he just turned, I said, Malachi, and he stopped immediately. You see, there's something I hope going on between this father and his son where I hope he knows that I love him so dearly. And I want the best for him, and I have such great intentions that he would just be such a follower of Jesus, but that he would know every moment of his life that his dad loves him. And I think because of that, when his dad uses the whistle that some of you may say, oh, that's what you use for a dog. No, it's the voice of his dad that he knows. That's Malachi's whistle. That's for Malachi and Daddy. And so he hears my voice, and he loves me, and he knows I love him, and he obeys my command. That's what it's about. Can I just say, it's about that. It's not about, oh, but obey God because, oh, you know, I'm allowed to have sex with everyone I really feel like it. And I'm allowed to look at that. And I'm allowed to moan and complain and gossip about each other and to feel bitter against my leaders. <sighs> I'll try my best. It's nothing like that. It's like being, you love me so much. Yes, what Joshua said, it's true. You will do everything you can in your power. And that's a lot of power to make life amazing for me as I journey with you. Therefore, I love you and I will obey what you command. Because I don't want Joshua chapter, Judges chapter 2 to happen to my generation or my son's generation. Covenant. So Joshua finishes. The band's coming back up again. Joshua finishes saying to us, 
saying to those leaders, hey guys, Jesus will do more than you can ask or imagine. It says that in Ephesians. Jesus can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. Jesus can sort out your debt. Jesus can come and change your scenario. Jesus can, can, can work such miracles for you to be so close and to know intimacy and wonder with Him. Jesus has done so much for already, us already on the cross. But hold fast to your God. Cleave to your Savior. Because there's no one better to cleave to. No one. He loves you abundantly and has such great intentions for you. But you have a part to play. And my encouragement to you this morning is if you know, I'm just asking you to stand now, and you may need to personally, the Lord says in 1 John 1, stand together. The Lord says in 1 John 1, to believers, to the Apostle John, that if we sin, but if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to restore us unto righteousness. I don't want a bunch of ascetics beating their back. Oh, Simon said I must repent every day. Ah, I don't want that. Like I said in a sermon a few weeks, every time we repent, there's a chance to return again to drink deep in the wells of God's grace. It's to restore that. In, he hasn't moved away. We have. So maybe this morning it's time for you to say, Do you know what? I've, I've really been struggling with this. Do you know what? The bitterness in my heart, the unforgiveness towards a partner who left me, so on, so forth. Young men, maybe the things you're looking at. Young women, maybe some of the desires that are coming out of loneliness that don't honor God. Because God wants such intimacy and wonderful relationship with you. Father God, I love you. I love you so much for your plan for us. Lord, I thank you that I don't stand here as one who's fulfilled it all, got the prize, and therefore leads the church. There's nothing to do with that. Thank you that this journey is as important to me as it is to every one of us. This fulfilling covenant. Lord, thank you that you have done all that is necessary for us to have eternal relationship with you. Thank you that we add nothing to the righteousness you've given us. We will be no better in God no matter what we do. There's nothing more we do to earn. There's nothing less we can do. But look, God, there is the joy of knowing intimate, abundant life with you instead of a striving, ceaseless, painful, laborious joy, a life. We can know joy. And I pray that for the people of X1. I pray for every visitor. Lord, would you come by your spirit, help us to know joy. Would we repent of our sins, come to you and realize your righteousness and your grace and give us joy. Joy that gives us strength. It's the 